The medicine of East Asia is based on a science that does not hold itself separate from the phenomena that it seeks to understand. Our medicine did not grow out of petri dish experimentation or double-blind studies. It arose from observing nature and our part in it. East Asian medicine evolves not from the examination of dead structures, but rather from living systems with their complex, mutually entangled interactions. Welcome to Geological. I'm Michael Max, the host of this podcast that goes in-depth on issues pertinent to practitioners and students of East Asian medicine. Dialogue and discussion have always been elemental to Chinese and other East Asian medicines. Listen into these conversations with experienced practitioners that go deep into how this ancient medicine is alive and unfolding in the modern clinic. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Pumsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. I love how technology can help to automate my office. And I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app/switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code geological at the time of sign up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. 
I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool. A sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of the solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash geological to learn how. My guest today is C.T. Holman. C.T. is an acupuncturist in Salem, Oregon. He's been practicing since about the year 2000. And he's recently written a book on healing emotional trauma with Chinese medicine. That's the main focus of our discussion today. In addition to all this, he is uh, Director of Development over at Lotus Institute, the uh, Lillian Bridges organization that teaches facial diagnosis, and he knows quite a bit about that, teaches it here in the States and abroad as well. And like I said, our show today, while we'll be talking some about the book, mostly what we're going to be talking about is the applications that come from this book and the methods in working with emotional trauma using our methods of acupuncture and Chinese medicine. CT, welcome to Geological. Thank you so much, Michael. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. We first ran into each other in Beijing in like the early 20s. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy to connect again. It's been so long. I know. No podcast in those days. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So we were there studying with Dr. Wang Jui. Correct. Yeah, the channel palpation, which I want to get into a little bit later here in the show. That sounds great, yes. You know, I'm always curious about what brought people to sort of the specialty that they do or the thing that's really got their attention. You know, you just wrote this book. It sounds like you do a lot of work with healing emotional trauma. What got you interested in working with these kinds of issues and how is it that you've been able to craft Chinese medicine into helping you with this? Well, I've always been fascinated by the spirit. And when I was in school, I always gravitated towards teachers who specialized in treating emotional imbalances. And I even ended up interning in an outpatient psychiatric ward where patients who had been admitted had to have been admitted to the hospital twice in the last six months. These were severe uh, psychiatric patients and just saw amazing results with using acupuncture and Chinese medicine. Now, was this was this like an extern type of thing or is this something that you sort of crafted up on your own? It was part of the school program, like where you do uh, out, you know, outreach in clinics. And so one of my teachers worked with the psychiatric ward in San Francisco to um, allow acupuncture to be part of this integrated program. In the program, they had um, art therapy and group therapy and individual therapy. And she was able, her name's Pat Keenan, she was able to get us in there doing primarily ear acupuncture treatments, but group treatments for patients there. And they really responded very well to it. So that was kind of one of my first exposures to using acupuncture to treat 
emotional conditions. Wow. Right, right from the get-go. I mean, you were still in school and getting to experiment with this. Yeah, and I was, I've been very blessed with some great teachers and just seeing how the emotions played such a role in their physical manifestations of different symptoms. So once I started my practice, I found the same thing. I was noticing that people had these emotional conditions that tied into their physical issues. And, you know, I was treating people who had experienced emotional trauma. And one person I remember specifically, she had been in a car accident years before and wasn't really responding to treatments like for neck pain or, you know, specific issues she might be having that were physical. And I went back to a treatment that I kind of morphed from a treatment that I was taught in school to help uh, ground and center someone after a trauma, even if it had been years ago. And noticed that once we did that, the treatments for more specific conditions were working really well. So that let me you know, led me more to trying to study in depth about the emotions and how they really played a role in the physical body. Yeah. You know, this is one of the beauties of Chinese medicine is that, you know, we really don't draw these distinctions between mind and body. They're, they're aspects of the same thing. And so, of course, it makes a lot of sense to us that working on one side of that coin will affect the other side of it. This grounding treatment that you were doing, what does that look like? Well, it's primarily working with points to affect the earth element, but I really look at it in a bigger way of uh, working with mothering the body. So it's kind of a three-stage approach when I treat trauma, but the first stage is really grounding and centering someone. So when someone experiences emotional trauma, it can be, you know, this can be a wide variety of uh, traumas. It could be childhood trauma, birth trauma, divorce, loss of a loved one, natural disaster, car accident, a serious health diagnosis, anything like that is uh, creates a shock and it scatters the energy. So, you know, as, as we know, the body has a, a rhythm. It's trying to maintain homeostasis. When it experiences a shock, the energy scatters and it's no longer able to maintain that rhythm very well or respond to treatments even for specific conditions through acupuncture Chinese herbs. So the first thing I want to do is really center that person. And the core treatment is using pericardium 6, spleen 6, ren 12, and yin tong. And these points all have an ability to uh, center and settle the body. I mean, pericardium 6 not only, you know, calms the spirit, but it works on the, the yin way to help uh, nourish all the organs with blood because when you get scattered, the energy is no longer flowing well and the organs aren't being nourished. This helps to center someone that way. REN12 is literally the center of the body, so it guides all the treatment towards the center. Spleen 6, you know, it's on the earth channel, but it also affects the liver and kidney. And so it's helping to ground someone and also provide that nourishment. And then Yen Tong is working on the third eye to really help someone step out of their individual drama and see the bigger picture and shift away from being caught in that cycle to then be able to see where they are in the whole kind of universal aspect and uh, begin processing their trauma. Right. Opens up the perspective. Correct. Yes. So it's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, it really does help someone who's feeling so out of sorts and the spirit can um, be so shocked and scared that it could literally leave the body. And so it's helping to someone get back into their body, into their power, into their full awareness 
so they can then begin processing the trauma and move forward and transform that. I think we've all met people that, you know, you look at them or you talk to them and it seems like they're not all quite there, which I would think is sort of a spirit not quite connected to the to the physiology, you know, not quite connected to the body. What are some other ways of bringing that back, of inviting that to return? So besides doing acupuncture, another thing that I do is uh, a little more esoteric, but it is part of the core of actually Chinese medicine um, in terms of the shamanic aspect. So as we know, shamanism was a big uh, influence on Chinese medicine in the early days, even before the, the Neijing. And they, the shamans would use drumming. And so I've recently been using shamanic drumming in my clinic as well. This last year, I released a CD actually using shamanic drumming. And I've studied with uh, this one drum teacher, Toby Christensen, who studies with a tribe in Africa who uses drumming for healing and has developed these five element beads. And when I studied with Toby, I realized how similar the five elements of this Dagara tribe in West Africa is to the Chinese medicine wheel and uh, started working with these beads and playing with these beads and realizing how much they do connect with the Chinese five elements. And I use those along with uh, just a shamanic trance beat. And that is very powerful. So when people come into my clinic who experience emotional trauma, at least for the first treatment or so, I will use this drumming along with the gathering. I call it the gathering chi treatment, this treatment that I was talking about. It really helps to uh, bring them back into their body, into their spirit. And so, you know, when I was studying in school, you learn about the spirit, you learn about the emotions, but, you know, there's only so much time that can be allotted to that. And I realized I just needed to study more in depth. And I began studying with different teachers to work with the emotions, work with the spirit and working, you know, through Qigong, practicing self-cultivation and doing that also helped me to get more in depth with my own spirit, my own emotional health and help transform all the emotional traumas that I had. And I realized through doing the Qigong, working with facial diagnosis and other modalities, I could begin to perceive people's spirits better. I could see when someone's spirit wasn't fully in their body. I could see when certain emotions were stronger and affecting the physiology. Through those practices, I began to almost uh, really intuit the balances of the spirits. And that's helped so much in you know, seeing when these treatments have kind of got to a certain completion point to then move to the next level. You talk about the spirits, and we have this amazing idea in Chinese medicine that each of the elements has their own spirit aspect, right? There's the hun, shen, yi, po, zhi. I mean, these are lovely terms. And for me, they're a little bit slippery. It's like, how do we know when we're dealing with a spirit aspect? And how do we know when we're dealing with maybe something that's that's not particularly spirit aspect? I mean, I'm not saying that we draw a distinction like Western medicine does, that there's, you know, there's a body and there's a mind. We know this as a continuum. But I'd love to get your take on the uh, five spirit aspects of the yin organs. Well, this is uh, a core treatment, of course, to treat emotional trauma. Understanding the spirits does help to determine what you're going to do for diagnosis, how you're going to treat, uh, these kind of things. I was first really exposed to understanding the spirits with working with Dr. Wong. 
because you're right, they're very slippery. It's, you know, what does it mean when someone uh, has a weak Poe? How does that even look? What, what are we looking for? And uh, how do we diagnose that? And then even more, how do we treat it? So the first thing I try to get is an understanding of what the spirits and how to even, you know, put them into some kind of framework. I'll give this example when I teach. Um, let's say someone decides they want to be a pilot. You know, they're sitting around one day and they get this thought, I want to be a pilot. Well, they get an insight. They just, something comes to them and it just turns on a light bulb. That to me is like the Shen. It's really bringing that insight, just a flash of idea. So I think, okay, there's the Shen. Well, then they have to uh, make a plan. They have to process. How are they going to do this? How are they going to go through all the different motions of, you know, going for training, applying for a license, uh, doing the testing, maintaining all of this? Well, that's processing, and that's trying to, you know, taking an idea and really working with it and processing it. So I look at that as being the E. Well, then to go ahead and actually accomplish the goal and move forward and do it and have that courage and determination that really is about the hoon. It's really uh, choosing the right timing to act. And so, you know, when someone's going to become a pilot, they have to, you know, have everything, their ducks in a row, so to speak. And that's more of a hoon type of thing to really decide the right timing and when to, to go ahead and move forward. As they accomplish this, they have to have clear boundaries with themselves and the environment, how, to, how they're going to interact with, you know, the different aspects of becoming a pilot and have that tenacity to really reach their goal, having that that rooted core strength. That's really about the Poe. I look at that as, uh, as being about the Poe. And then in terms of following their path, you know, they got this insight to be a pilot where it came from somewhere. And that is their core path. That's their, their essence. They need to have a strength and a base to provide their um, stability to stay with that goal. And that really is the jur. So looking at it in terms of those ways, I could then begin to understand, okay, when someone comes in the clinic, you know, they first walk in, I try to intuit, you know, where is their, where are the spirits? You know, are they, are they strong? Are they supported? Um, are they congested? Are they confined? How am I uh, getting a sense of feeling that? So, you know, when we check the pulse, we look at the tongue, we look at the face, this will give us an idea of those balance of the spirits and the five elements, but you can also sense it. And so one example I give is someone comes in and you might just sense when they first walk in, they just don't have very strong boundaries. They're really open and they have a, a unclear way of defining themselves from you. That would give me an idea about their pope. And I would start thinking about wanting to strengthen their pose through acupuncture, herbs, lifestyle, nutrition, these kind of things. In the book, I give an example of a woman who experienced intense trauma throughout her life. And on the face, we can talk about this in a moment, but on the face, you can look at different markers that will show you where the essence has been blocked at different ages. And then you can ask, I mean, you're not going to be able to tell from a marker exactly what happened, but you know something did happen, something significant that blocked that essence coming into their life at that age. So for example, it's a few traumas she had. When she was three years old, she had a severe case of measles where she almost died. Um, this, of course, is uh, going to affect the lungs. And so it was just kind of an initial hit to her lungs and to her po. And then through her childhood um, and teenagers, she had several traumas that related 
to boundaries. One thing, Michael, I think it's really interesting when I do facial diagnosis, looking at the, the age map, there's different maps you can look at on the face. With the age map, you'll see typically patterns developing from where you can see uh, the essence was compromised at different ages. You might see it in a cycle of three years or five years. You talk with the person, you find out what these different traumas were, and typically there's an ongoing thread or theme of a pattern that these people um, have experienced. And typically, you know, as we know in uh, psychology, your initial perception of the world is developed um, between ages zero and seven. And you start to create what you believe is happening in the world. And this is where a lot of patterns and belief systems um, begin. And what I find interesting with emotional trauma is these traumas tend to trigger these different beliefs that people have until they finally transform them. Right. So, so you run into people that like they get in accidents or a lot, or they find themselves in the same kind of relationship or same sort of job troubles. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So exactly. So there's, and there's something that might happen like someone who might've had like, you know, when they were two years old, their mother was really ill. And then at uh, five years old, their, their dad, um, had to leave and couldn't take care of the family and they got sick and then their sister was almost died. And you get this theme of ongoing theme of I'm not safe around health. My health is um, not going to allow me to, to be sure, you know, have survival. Well, in this case, this woman, she had different traumas around boundaries. Her dad was actually a spy. And when she was living in Germany, she couldn't interact with him in public because that would compromise her relationship with the, they would know that you know this is her daughter, and so it was kind of a boundaries issue. Then when she was a teenager, she was gang raped. Uh, throughout her childhood, her mother was an alcoholic. There are all these different issues around boundaries, and so when she came in to see me, she had um, her physical symptoms were um, having chronic bronchitis, and also she was experiencing a lot of grief. So we started working with her with her boundaries. Now she had already done some work on her boundaries. When she was in her 20s, she stopped using drugs, she became a teacher, and she started having more of a, a sense of herself, but um, it wasn't fully there yet. So we were doing, uh, I worked with points on, kind of in a five element way, really, working with the earth and water elements to mother her and work with the mother, work with the daughter, to then um, help build up her pub. What was so fascinating, I've worked with this one over um, for a number of years, and as she started getting stronger, at the time she was an accountant and she just realized that she, she was doing it because she was good at it. She could make a lot of money, but it wasn't her true calling. But she didn't feel like she had the strength to really do her, her true calling and put herself out there, so to speak. And through working with her POA, of course, working with her kidneys too and her earth elements, um, she began feeling stronger and she could step into her power and really follow her dream of becoming a writer. And so she started writing and she wrote a memoir, uh, her personal story about all these different things that have happened to her over her life, which was very, it was groundbreaking for her. She then began to, oh, I can write. I can put myself out there and write. But what was interesting is she was still having issues around boundaries. She was experiencing possessions where she would lose consciousness for five minutes up to a couple hours and her partner would tell her that she was uh, speaking in a different voice, talking about different people uh, that didn't relate to her life, all these kind of things. She was still had that compromise of her boundaries. So we had to work more 
on her, you know, her lungs, her kidneys, her earth element. And she got stronger yet again, even further. And now she's writing a book, but it's not about herself. It's about Mary Magdalene. And she's writing a whole series of these different women through history who've been significant, who had a lot of power. So to me, it was just beautiful. Like she has just grown in her ability to uh, make her way, have her boundaries, and really follow her path. Yeah, and these things take time, don't they? They do. It's not instant. I mean, we'd love them to be instant. But there, the, the one thing I will say, working with the spirit, you know, working with the Jing Chi and Shen, you're working with all these when you're doing acupuncture and Chinese medicine and, you know, working with nutrition and lifestyle ideas and Qigong. The spirit, though, I will have to say, works so fast. When you can tune into someone's spirit and just say a couple sentences, it will launch them so far in their path. And I find that to be fairly true through my practice. I mean, of course, I'm always working with the Jing and Qi, but when I can try to tap into those, when you can really find out what is that pattern, what's the belief system that tends to be kind of driving their life and try to flip that and transform it, things can happen so quickly. With that spirit level, with that Shen level. I found that, yes. I've noticed as well in my clinic, sometimes patients will say something and it's like they're saying it they're saying it, but they're not hearing what they're saying. I don't even know how I catch that. I just, I guess I've just sat with people enough that I notice when people are saying something, but they're not hearing what they're saying. And all I have to do, I don't even use a needle. All I have to do is say back to them what they just said to me. For me, it's just a way of clarifying that I'm understanding. Sounding board, yeah. And sometimes it comes back and their eyes just like, get wide and they kind of soften and the expression on their face softens, their breathing dramatically changes. And they're like, what? (laughs) And I'm thinking, you just said it, right? But 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 they've not been able to take it in themselves. Right. And so those moments where they actually can take it in, something quite dramatic can shift. They have the answers inside. I mean, we're just based, the way I look at it, as I think of us as just being guides and helping them on their path to fully embody their power. And, you know, that's why I found that the gathering treatment helps so much to help them get settled and centered to really see what it is that's happening for them. You know, as we do the treatments for people, when I'm working with people for emotional trauma, we get them centered they still can be triggered by different things in their life that will bring back that old emotional trauma. You know, if somebody's in a car accident with a red truck and they, you know, later driving down the road, see a red truck, they might get triggered again. Oh my gosh, that truck's going to hit me. And they still have this trauma memory that's running the show in a lot of ways. And what I found interesting is, you know, gathering and centering them helped, but then they would still have these trauma memories that would then discombobulate their chi again. It would scatter things again. So it led me to want to study even more in depth with different teachers and working with those emotions. And one teacher led me to was Susan Johnson, who teaches uh, the Master Dong style, the tongue style acupuncture. And she had a treatment that she taught me that really was uh, pretty amazing. It really launched me to another level of treatment with emotional trauma. And that was working with these different scalp points. It's a treatment that she learned from her teacher, Dr. Shui Jianlin. It then helped people to quote unquote, so soothe the soothe the trauma memory. 
So then when they do have these different triggers that happen, you know, they see someone who looks like their ex or um, are reminded of their mother when they come across an old family picture who they've recently lost, they're not so shocked. They're not traumatized yet again. And they can continue to move forward on that process. Mm -hmm. So they can disassociate from it a bit. It's not so uh, immediate for them. Yeah, it's not so raw. I mean, it's I not so a, raw. Uh, yeah, I just had a woman in the clinic um, yesterday who her sister was in a serious car accident 10 years ago. I had I treated her a long time ago, but she just came in again recently. Out of curiosity, asked her, you know, oh, you, you know, your sister had this car accident. How do you feel about it? Well, she instantly started crying. It was almost as if it had just happened. And I could see, okay, she's still having that program run so fresh in her mind that now we have to begin working. I mean, of course, first thing I did was want to center her. But once she feels more centered, we can start working with these points to then help soothe the trauma memory and then really move into more of the individual treatments, you know, working with the five elements and trying to balance things. But we first have to get things so they're not continually shocking the chi. You got to settle things down. What are these scalp points? So the scalp points are do 20, do 24, and then an Osher point that is uh, approximately one and a half soon out from the midline on the, on the hairline. So just out from do 24. And these points, the way I've been taught, understood them, because I also studied with um, uh, Dr. Tran, who talks about working a lot with doing spirit acupuncture, quote unquote, and bringing down the cosmic water from the universe. So what I believe is happening is, you know, we do 20 by way is the opening to the universal energy, the heavenly energy from above. And doing these spirit points is guiding down the water, the cosmic water from the universe to soothe and calm those traumas. The traumas, when they happen, they create wind and fire and the water can soothe all of that and uh, calm their spirit and get them to be, again, more in that clear perception. On a more Western physiological level, I do uh, study a bit um, of Western medicine and, and the emotional trauma work that's being done currently. And there's a lot to be uh, said about that. And we don't want to make necessarily direct connections with Chinese medicine. That's what my teacher taught me. Dr. Wong's talked a lot about that too. We like to understand you know, the Western medicine approach, but we wanna, wouldn't want to make it exactly the same. But we do have to look at the prefrontal cortex, the limbic system, and the brainstem. You know, the limbic system is the emotional center, and the prefrontal cortex is what allows someone to understand if they're in the present moment. Well, when the limbic system gets charged, you know, say from, from an emotional trauma or a trauma memory, it can override the uh, prefrontal cortex and then send hormones and uh, signals to the nerves that have like this uh, sympathetic nerve response and the person's right back in it they're right back in that that trauma even though it's not happening currently right and that limbic system will override the frontal cortex every time mm -hmm. but there is a lot of work being done to show that you can improve the connections between the prefrontal cortex and the limbic system so the prefrontal cortex can check the limbic system and they've done a lot of work now with uh, brain scans to see how people are able to establish better connections so they can stop 
that limbic system from really charging. And I really see these scalp points as being one way to help with that. Is there some information that you could send me, and I'll put it on the show notes page, that would let people go check out this thing you're talking about here, the, some uh, materials about for being able to uh, use the frontal cortex to shut down the limbic response? Right. Um, or, or more, just check the limbic response. Yeah, shut it down. Or check and it, so, yeah. Yeah, Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, he's a MD who works a lot with emotional trauma. He has an emotional trauma center in Boston. And he wrote a book. I think I saw a TED Talk of his. Oh, did you? Okay. I think so. The name is familiar. His book is called The Body Keeps Score. And it was published in 2014. And he talks quite a bit about this. What's so interesting about Dr. Bessel van der Kolk is he you know, looks at the traditional Western medicine approach of doing, you know, counseling and this kind of thing, but has been working with yoga, drumming, different like breathing therapies to see how that helps that connection between the prefrontal cortex and limbic system. So it's a really interesting approach where he's taking a lot of the things that we know about in Chinese medicine to help benefit the brain. So in the book, I talk quite a bit about that and talk about some of the connections between the brain triad, as he likes to call it. Like, how does the limbic system relate to the Chinese medicine aspect or the prefrontal cortex and this kind of thing? So I think there's there's a lot that uh, Western medicine and Chinese medicine can do together to really help benefit people and, you know, get the best outcome. Hello, everyone. Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of yang, the primal reservoir of yang which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel, clearing impedance in the free flow of yang chi to body, mind and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvellous potency of the Do channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at ancecilsturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. Yeah. Are there any other sort of, and I'm not looking for shortcuts here, but any any go-tos that you often will use to help people calm down from an incredibly agitated state or a chronic agitated state? Well, besides the, the calming treatment, the, the gathering chi treatment that I was talking about, there's some points, there's some great ear points. I mean, Shen Men and point zero, that master's point right in the center of the ear, those two points are very effective. Breathing techniques, I have people do that. I do like the drumming. Um, I talk to people about tapping, the emotional freedom technique. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I've heard of it. I'm not that familiar with it. I, I know they use the meridians to some degree, but I, I don't know that much about it. Tell us something about it. 
Yeah, I find it very helpful. In fact, that woman I was talking about yesterday with her um, remembering the accident her sister was in, I instantly started tapping with her and her, her shen changed uh, amazing in amazing ways. Um, what it is, is uh, it's a, it's a technique that's used by counselors and they absolutely use the meridians and acupuncture points. And they use several points on the, the face scalp area, on the torso and on the fingertips. What's interesting, these points um, incorporate a lot of the Jing Well points. They incorporate a lot of points to deal with consciousness like do 26. And you essentially are just tapping on these points lightly um, with your fingertips um, for about five seconds on each point. And you go through the circuit. Also, as you do these points, you can say an affirmation that I am feeling blank, like whatever the emotion is, anxiety, um, worry, anger, fear. Um, I'm feeling this emotion, but I deeply and completely love and accept myself. And you're kind of saying that in your mind as you're tapping on these points. And it is remarkable, Michael. I've seen I've seen people in the clinic once they've tapped help so much. And then what I love about this technique, it's something that's free. They can do whatever they want, and it's very easy to learn. I always give people a little map of the points in the book. There's a map, too. You can go um, look up emotional freedom technique and find the map online. It's a great tool that I give people because, you know, you can't be with them 24-7 doing acupuncture. So uh, they have this this go-to technique they can do. And there's one point, rent 17, that I find um, kind of as a, you know, if, I, if they can't remember any of the points, do rent 17. And it really helps get them back in their heart, in their body, centering them. There's also REN12 they can do with that. I, I treat kids in my clinic too. And I had a kindergartner in my clinic and she was having a lot of anxiety. You know, with kids at that age, I treat babies and babies, I don't know if you treat kids, but babies are so easy with acupuncture. It's no problem. Like they're fine with it. Um, you know, just do in and out, no big deal. But once the kid, the child turns four to eight, it seems to be kind of a nightmare, at least for me, to treat kids uh, because they're so used to inoculations. They're scared about needles. They, they, they've already got an idea of what a needle might mean. <laughs> right. And so, of course, it's it's not the same thing as what we're doing, but it is what it is for them. So um, a lot of times I won't do acupuncture. I'll do acupressure and use little, um, you know, different tools on the channels, this kind of thing. But uh, I taught this girl the tapping technique. She found it so effective that she went to school and taught her whole class. And now the class was tapping. And so that was just, that was beautiful. I was so uh, happy to hear that. You know, it's lovely, especially sweet for a kid to do that. But I'm just thinking it's so lovely whenever anyone that we help gets something out of it and they can go and help somebody else with what they've learned. That, that's always just so wonderful. I want to come back a little bit to some other stuff that you were talking about earlier in the show around the facial diagnosis. I might be opening up a can of worms here. <laughs> I don't want to go like way far down the rabbit hole, but I'd like to, I'd like to take a glimpse inside the rabbit hole. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you were talking about being able to read a certain kind of trauma at a certain age on the face. I'd like to know a little more about that. Well, I study with Lillian Bridges, and now we uh, we teach this abroad, and uh, it's very and it's a very effective technique. You know, when I first graduated school, I internally, just like that, that example I gave of that person, that woman who wants to become a pilot, I had this I had this thing in me. Oh, I want to learn face reading. Well, peers of mine thought it was oh, don't do that, CT. It's just a beauty thing. It's just you know, it's superficial. Don't learn that. 
And at the time, you know, this is back in the early 2000s, uh, facial diagnosis was not really considered uh, much in Chinese medicine. It was definitely a very esoteric thing. It was um, an aside to Chinese medicine. Now it's become a lot more accepted as a core diagnostic technique. Facial diagnosis is part of the core diagnostics in Chinese medicine. In the Neijing, there's a great quote that talks about the superior, I don't really like the term superior, but the, the superior doctor uses three diagnostics, which includes looking at the color of the skin, um, feeling the channels, and checking the pulse. Well, we that quote was actually used by Dr. Wong to support channel palpation for feeling channels, but because it's, it's pricking and plucking the skin. But there was also looking at the color of the skin, which supports the facial diagnosis. There's the, these age maps I was talking about are part of the core um, texts in uh, China for the earliest texts on Chinese medicine. So this facial diagnosis was a, a thing that was used for centuries. Um, but the thing that's so interesting is it was lost somehow along the way because when I was in school, we didn't talk about facial diagnosis and it certainly wasn't being talked much about. So, uh, you know, after resisting the urge to go study with facial diagnosis, I finally said, you know what, I'm going to stay with Lillian. I just, I've got to do it. So I stayed with Lillian and it opened up a whole world for me because you can see so much on the face. You can see someone's different emotional traumas at different ages. You can see their personality. You can see their past, present, and future. You can get an understanding of the different organs, how they're functioning. You can even use it for matchmaking and for hiring people for a job. It's, 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 very, it's a very versatile technique, but of course, I use it primarily for medical diagnosis. And one thing that I found very interesting in studying with Lillian is I wanted to learn more about Jing Qi and Shen. And she teaches the, the facial diagnosis in those three levels because there's so many face maps. People get frustrated when I teach face reading sometimes because, you know, I talk one moment about the age map, we're seeing this sign here. But then I talk about on the emotional map, we see this line there. And then we talk about the organ map, and I see this indication on you know the chin. And so they get, oh my gosh, so many things happening. But there's uh, different maps that, are, that relate to the different um, levels, Jing, Qi, and Shen. So the age map that I was talking about earlier, that really relates to the Jing. And Jing is a, is a huge topic in Chinese medicine. And, there's and I think it's often a not well understood topic. And I'm still understanding myself. I'm still working it out, too. And in a moment, I'm going to come back and ask you about your take on it. In the gene level with facial diagnosis, we're looking um, at a few different things. But one of the maps is the age map. And so the age map really is the markers, these horizontal markers on the face and on the ear that indicate how the Jing came in to be at that age. You know, uh, when I first started studying Chinese medicine, I, I thought that Jing was just all given to a bird, just one big blast of Jing, there you go for the rest of your life. Well, what I'm understanding is Jing actually is slowly doled out over your life. It's not all in one shot. So each year you're getting a different uh, amount of Jing. And as that Jing comes into your being, it can either come in fully and manifest and you know support your body, or it can become blocked. And so these age markers are really looking at where that Jing was blocked. And you can look on the face to understand, you know, where did that person have blockages? So just as a general sweeping idea, the zero to 12-ish years are on the ears. Then the teenage years are across the hairline. The 20s are across the forehead. The 30s are around the eyes, the 40s on the nose, the 50s around the mouth, 60s on the chin. So, you know, someone comes in who's 40 years old, 
you might see a marker at uh, age 60. Well, wait a second. They haven't had any trauma at 60 because they're not even 60 yet. But you can see that marker is coming up for them. So you can work with that person to determine first, what's the pattern? So that woman I talked about earlier who had the pattern of boundaries, when she came into my clinic, uh, this was about three years ago, I saw a pretty strong marker at 73. Well, she was 60 at the time. And when I said, you know, because I, I told her she's in the book. And so I told her, could I you know, take your picture and have you in the book and talk about your life? Of course, she agreed. So I started talking. She said, well, tell me, you know, what do you see? And I said, well, I see this at this age. And that, oh, yeah, that happened to me then. This happened to me at that age. I said, oh, and I'm also seeing this marker at 73. Well, her whole shin totally uh, went out. Like she got completely dark. Her eyes, there was no light in her eyes. She had a, a very, you know, like a white, scared um, appearance. I said, well, whoa, you know, what's with 73? You know, you're not 73. Uh, why are you so? I said, well, both my parents died at 73. I've always been scared about that age. I said, oh, wow. Uh, this uh, It's a marker kind of on the size of the chin. And so I said, well, hey, you know, we're going to work more with you at the boundaries. And at the time, she hadn't really started working on that book on Mary Magdalene. Well, once she started working on that book, and she recently has pretty much finished a, a solid draft on it and has a lot of interest, actually, in this book, that marker is almost gone. So this Qing aspect is not only about what has happened, but you're talking about because it doesn't all come out at once. It sort of comes out in different packets or phases, and there might be, just the way things are set up, there might be an issue at a certain point in the future. Correct. Mm -hmm. So you can see that's going to mark again for them in the future. So what's her pattern? Her pattern is dealing with boundaries. Well, if she can transform that belief system, then she will lessen the blow of that future trauma coming up because she's she's transformed it. It's no longer uh, an issue for her. So now that she has stronger boundaries, whatever's going to happen at 73, it's going to be more of a speed bump at this point. That's how I say we can see the past, present, and future. You can see what's coming down the road for someone. I think that's one of the beauties of working with a facial diagnosis is not only understanding what the pattern is the person's cycling in, but how to transform it before they get to an age that it could be significant. Right. Well, you know, in acupuncture school, I, I suspect all of us were taught some, you know, the very basics, looking to see how the five elements show up on the face. Is there something, you know, what, what color do they show at their temples and like around their mouth? Are they sort of woody or is there, is that a fire thing or you know, we're taught some of that basic stuff. Are there a couple things that you could give our listeners here right now? I mean, you just described the age map, but is there anything else that sort of a, a simple thing that people could take into their clinic and start looking for that might be helpful to them and their patients? There's always the the concern that a little bit of information used could be maybe detrimental, but I think starting to look at a little bit of stuff is helpful. I would encourage uh, people who are interested in facial diagnosis to read Lillian's book. And also in this book that I've written, it talks quite a bit about different sections, but the chi map, I think is the most, um, the organ map, I think is the most easy to utilize in the clinic because it's specifically where you see the organs on the face. So people could start looking at those areas and you know, oh, I see their chin doesn't, it looks a little bit wobbly. There's lines in their chin. Well, the chin relates to the kidney element. It relates specifically to the emotions. So when someone comes in and has, we say like a, a wobbly chin or where their, their skin on the chin looks like, you know, an orange peel where you can really see the pores there. 
this is something where you can see, oh, this person is, is experiencing fear, even if they might not say anything, because like you said before, people come in and they'll, they'll, they'll say what's going on for them. But sometimes people will say the opposite of what's going on for them because they want to put up maybe a show or this kind of thing. So you can really see the real reality of what's going on with this person. So you might see some lines or uh, dimples in the – I shouldn't say dimple because that's some people have that one dimple, but more of like a wobbly aspect to the chin. Mm -hmm. Looks to, look to see if something is a little out of sorts there. With the kidneys, sure. Yeah. And um, so there's that one area. You mentioned the temples. That is an area that relates to the liver. People sometimes have darkness in their temples. If people, if you look at the pictures of Robin Williams before he took his uh, life, before he died by suicide, he, they're very, very dark in the temples. In fact, the darkness went all the way down his face into his jaw. So if someone comes in, oh, they have darkness in their temples. Okay, this person might be suffering from uh, some pretty strong depression. And you can look at that area. Another interesting thing about the organ map and the facial characteristics, the the different um, aspects of the face, you can also understand the strength of the elements, the strength of the organs. So, and that you know that's a great thing too, because so often people come in because they feel broken and they're very in touch with their weaknesses, but they're not so in touch with their strengths. That's exactly right. And so the one thing I really uh, love about uh, Lillian Bridge's facial. Uh, lineage and her approach and her family's approach is trying to help the person understand their gifts, their talents, their strengths. There is no wrong chin. There is no wrong forehead. There's no, you know, they're not the best nose. It's nothing like that. It's understanding, letting that person understand what characteristics, what traits do they have? How do they work together? And what are their gifts to the human family? Because ultimately, with facial diagnosis, you're helping someone see themselves and love themselves. And that to me is incredibly powerful because it will shift that energy if they are feeling weak and broken and victimized. It shifts them into seeing, okay, this is what I have to offer. So for example, like with uh, the liver, if you want to see the strength of the liver, one easy way to check is the eyebrows. You know, does someone have really thick, bushy eyebrows or are their eyebrows very thin or thinning? Um, this will tell you how the liver can process toxins. So if you do herbs in your clinic, be aware that if someone has very thin eyebrows, they might not be able to take herbs, or at least you need to have the dose be lower. So this is something uh, where you can also understand not only the emotions that they might be experiencing in that element, but also the strength of the element. So the eyebrows are another area you can look at for the wood. If you want to look at the fire element, the heart and small intestine, pericardium. You can look at the tip of the nose. This is a very uh, clear area where you can understand what's going on with the heart. Lula and I were just teaching at the TCM Congress in Rothenburg last year, and we did a class on cardiology, but just did in-depth uh, diagnostic work about the heart, about the nose. And one thing we look at the nose is for the colors, like you mentioned, the color of the face. Well, if there's a lot of redness in their nose tip, okay, then we're talking about the tip of the nose here is that would be more heat in the heart. But if there's vessels and darkness, there's more blood stagnation. There could be inflammation in the vessels if you see those vessels in the nose. You see whiteness, there could be cold or blood deficiency in the heart. So we had one patient come up who had a really dark nose. And you know, I asked her, well, okay, what's going on? Any strong emotional trauma in your past? Well, not, not too much trauma, but right now, my horse is very sick. I was like, oh, okay. And I said, well, you know, Hopefully your horse feels better. Say, well, that's the problem is my uh, my husband 
doesn't want to spend the money to take the horse to get treatment. I said, oh, and so she was feeling um, anger, but also she had a lot of, uh, you know, hurt in her heart. She had a line across the, the upper tip of the nose, which indicates the pericardium is very tight. So, okay, we should do some treatment. So I palpated, well, maybe talk about channel palpation. I did some palpation, uh, checked her pulse, determined she had um, blood stagnation, wanted to help open the heart, but she also had blood deficiency, and I saw her tongue was pretty pale, and her pulse was not that strong, so I wanted to do some points to support her heart, help with circulation, and did some points that helped. Her Her nose started to become less less dark, but I was telling people in the clinic, at the in the seminar, I said, well, you know, a lot of times I also do bleeding. I, li- I like doing bleeding in my clinic, actually, and I've been taught uh, some great bleeding techniques by my prim- one of my primary acupuncture teacher, uh, Dr. Wei Che Young, who teaches the Master Dong Style. He talks about using uh, points around the stomach 37 area. You look for vessels there, and that can release uh, heat and pressure and blood stagnation in the heart. So I said, oh, you know, sometimes we see, you know, blood stagnation in the heart uh, here, but you know, I don't know if I'm going to be bleeding today. And I, I said, oh, look, we look in the area. Oh, well, actually, she does have a vessel. And I said, bleed her, bleed her, bleed her. And, you know, of course, the woman, she's like, yeah, bleed me. So I did prick the point, and quite a few drops of blood came out, and her nose dramatically changed. So what I think is so interesting about the facial diagnosis is not only does it give you, you know, diagnostic information, but you can see the treatment working. And that's, I think, one of the biggest tricks in Chinese medicine is uh, to know, is your treatment helping? Is oh someone my God, actually yes. getting... Yeah, somebody, somebody would get improvement from this. They right. can come in and say... Oh, How do I know that what I'm doing is actually being helpful? Right. So besides, you know, feeling the channels or, look, or feeling the pulse, this kind of thing, you can look on the face and see, absolutely, these are the changes. And so I often in my clinic will take pictures before and after treatment, you know, sometimes the day of or sometimes... Uh, weeks, months afterwards. And it's amazing seeing these faces shift. In the book, I have I have quite a few pictures, color pictures of people's faces before and after treatments. And it's pretty phenomenal. Even if, even if you don't do face reading, you, it's pretty easy, I think, to see the changes that happen for these people. And, you know, I got to say, it's not me doing it. It's me helping to facilitate their energy to be fully present to then uh, make these changes happen. In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five-element and six-chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles. It's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jingwell points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of Qi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. 
you'll be glad you did. The amazing thing about this medicine to me, it's not that we're doing anything. I mean, we get to guide, we get to help, we get to assist. Really, it's them and their chi, their own internal doctor that does this. I want to hear a bit about your time with Dr. Wong and how the channel palpation fits in with the work that you do today. Well, I was very honored to study with Dr. Wong, and he'll be greatly missed. He, of course, as you know, he passed away this yeah, last year. Yeah, I heard. He's, he's already and, greatly missed. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, he is. Right. He is greatly missed, of course. And he will continually be honored. And And the, the good thing is there's quite a few uh, master teachers who are teaching channel palpation. Jason Robertson, you think Gavin Gonesh-Feely, um, Nisa, there's, there's uh, Jonathan. Uh, there's quite a few people teaching. And I teach channel palpation as well, but I'm not as didn't study as in-depth as those people did, but I started studying with Dr. Wong back in um, the late 90s, and it was eye-opening. Uh, started studying with him, and I know you've studied with him as well, such a core understanding, such a depth to understanding uh, the physiology, how, the channels, all, and, and such a de- so dedicated to so dedicated. continually and, learning. And, and so clear with his descriptions and generous as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So... Began studying with him and began doing channel palpation in the clinic. And you know, I was in school when I first started studying with him. And then I started practicing and then uh, began studying more in depth with him and um, working with Jason, um, helping Jason with the book that he wrote with Dr. Wong. And that was another level of you know, kind of really trying to get into understanding of what was happening with the physiology and then understanding the channel palpation. And I've been using it in my clinic ever since. So, you know, for, you know, since 2000, since I started practicing, I've been using channel palpation. And through the entire time I've been using it for diagnosis, I continue to use it for diagnosis. I've added these other, um, you know, added more, I did a lot more in-depth work with the pulse through the Shen Hammer system and then work with Lillian. But I never let the channel palpation go. I thought that was something that's, it's, it's amazing. As you know, in your practice, I'm sure you find it very effective. So I do use it on um, all my patients and how I use it is to understand, of course, their channel physiology, but understanding what's happening with the emotions. So, you know, we talked earlier about the idea of scattering the chi. Well, you can see that a lot on the Sanjiao channel. You can feel that. You can feel a series of nodules when you check along the Sanjiao to see how all the channels have been affected by that trauma. So a lot of times somebody comes in initially after a trauma, or even if they haven't had the trauma fully processed and cleared, you can find these nodules along the Sanjiao channel. Any places particularly along the Sanjiao channel that these nodules tend to show up? Well, I would say between Sanjiao 4 and, and you know, Sanjiao 10, you know, along, along the forearm. Of course, those who say with Dr. Wong, like you did, he primarily will feel the forearm, but I'll feel along the entire Sanjiao channel. So there's not necessarily one like just Sanjiao 5 or Sanjiao 6. Of course, those can be more uh, predominant, more uh, bigger nodule at that point. But a lot of times they just feel a whole line of nodules along that forearm. So, but specific points, you know, there are specific points I will find um, someone who has just, say, lost a loved one, deep grief. I'll find a pretty significant nodule at lung six. Oh, yes. Yeah. You've probably seen that in your practice. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know what it is about lung six. And this, this is something that I definitely got from Dr. Wong because, you know, he clued me into palpating this way. I find lung six shows up in all kinds of different 
presentations. I mean, not just for the usual cough and asthma and blah, blah, blah. But yes, absolutely for certain emotional issues, often for constipation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe one understanding could be because of the lung governing the chi. And since the chi can become affected by so many different ways, uh, lung six can then present being the chi cleft point that kind of shows where the lung chi isn't flowing very clearly. And it's an area that I will see then, just like on the face, you can see things resolve and change. That's what I love about tonal palpation. You can really see these nodules that might have been there for just acutely or for chronically start to shift and, and transform. So, so another area that uh, I see commonly is pericardium four. This is an area that is often affected in acute trauma, uh, even if it's a long-standing trauma, broken heart, or even just any type of emotional trauma, uh, you can see pericardium four having a nodule there. And it can be around the pericardium four area. And that nodule, surprisingly, or not surprisingly, tends to clear pretty quickly. I've had just in one treatment, a pretty significant nodule, and even a, a darkness in that area, clear after one to two treatments for people. And I, you know, Dr. Wong's talked about this, talked about this, the, the pericardium it responds pretty quickly. The pericardium channel responds pretty quickly to treatment. And uh, that's another area that I'll look for to see if someone's having uh, that type of blockage from a trauma. Let's turn to your book for a moment. Okay. Give us a little overview on your book and what kind of things practitioners can learn from it. Well, the book is, you know, Treating Emotional Trauma, and it goes through the beginning. It talks about the physiology and what happens to the Jing, Qi, and Shen, and what happens to the five elements when someone experiences emotional trauma. Then at the second chapter, which is, you know, real core, is diagnosing, understanding the diagnostics that um, go along with understanding emotional trauma. So people, you know, might have more of uh, a background or work with channel palpation. They might work more with pulse. They might work more with tongue. They might work with facial diagnosis. It covers each one of those aspects pretty in depth of how they can uh, use those techniques to then diagnose the emotional trauma. And it goes quite a bit into the five elements as well, because something that, you know, when I was in school, five elements weren't, we discussed some, but again, there's not enough time to really go that in depth. So I studied quite a bit more with uh, Master Wu and Lillian Bridges on these five elements and other teachers too. So there's quite a bit about five elements and understanding uh, how those also can be used to diagnose someone. And then I introduce a, uh, another diagnostic technique that I call it intuiting the, the five spirits and how things that you can look for, things that you can maybe sense or feel that will give you a clue to where, what element and what uh, spirit aspect is affected. So that's the real diagnostic chapter. Then what I think is so beautiful about Chinese medicine is there's so many treatment modalities you can use. And I use several different ones. Um, so in there, I cover acupuncture. I also work with heavenly stems and earthly branches. This is something I've been using for a uh, few years now. And so when I treat someone in the clinic, I absolutely think about where are we in the universal energy flow, primarily by the month. And so I go into depth with how you can play with this idea and try it. There's a lot of information out there that might have been mistranslated, but uh, recently Master Zhang Shen Wu has released a book about heavenly stems or three branches that is uh, very accessible and something that works very well in the clinic. So there's that. 
And I talk about bloodletting quite a bit because I do use that. It's very effective. There's cupping. There's also the drumming. There's nutritional therapy. And then I talk about some of the secondary methods like the tapping technique, affirmations, which are very powerful. So that's chapter three. And then in chapter four, there's differentiation of symptoms. And so someone comes in with fear. What are all the different things that can cause fear? And then what are the what are the facial signs? What are the pulse? What are the tongue? What's the channel palpation? What are you seeing with each one of those diagnostics? And then, of course, there's acupuncture and herbs and how you treat that. Yeah, you know, that sounds really helpful. Sometimes people come in and I can't tell if they just, they ruminate and worry because they've got this sort of earth imbalance going on or if they've got some sort of kidney fear thing going on. Sometimes it's a combination. Sometimes so. it's a combination, but sometimes I think it's more than one than the other. And so it sounds like you've got some ways of looking at this to help dial in more specifically which specific organ system really is the one that needs the attention first. Yeah, and I got the idea from uh, the Chinese, it's Will McLean and Jane Littleton's books. They do this differentiation. I really like their layout. So I adopted that style really for that section of the book because I found it so helpful just to look at a glance. It's in these chart formats, all those different symptoms, because, you know, when I'm treating someone, you know, I have all these different diagnostics. I have to say, and Dr. Wong actually is who taught me this, you know, you write down all the different symptoms someone has and all the different uh, possibilities that those symptoms could uh, relate to, what organ system, what organs that could relate to. And then you see what comes out as the, the primary organ that's coming up with all those different symptoms and signs. So this, that really, I think, uh, does a, a, a pretty good job at helping to show you all those in one kind of swath, one glance. You know, that's a big core of the book. Then there's a couple chapters. One is on uh, calling prevention of emotional trauma. And that's kind of a loaded phrase because how can you prevent a trauma from happening? But really, it's preventing how your impact is going to be from that trauma. And I find this, I think, a, a pretty helpful chapter for people to work on different techniques with their elements, with their junk chi, to support their energy so when they have a trauma in the future, they won't have such a strong impact. So there's that. And then there's a brief chapter in there on Western medicine. And then the last chapter is on case studies. Because, you know, Mike, Michael, as we know, we can talk all day long about how things work so great and this theory, that. And, but until you see it working in practice. Yeah, the case it, studies it are be, golden. Yeah, it doesn't really become real. So I, I and, you know, Dr. Wong has always stressed that. I really enjoyed so much studying with him because he would always talk about different cases. And so does Lillian, so does Master Wu, so does uh, Dr. Young and Brian LaForge, my pulse teacher. So it really helps to bring it into reality and to see how is this actually being used. You know, I talk all about face and pulse and channel palpation, but then when you see these certain cases and how I use those different diagnostics and different treatments together, I think it really does help bring um, a lot of this into one um, package so people can uh, make it more accessible. How many pages is this book? This thing sounds huge. Well, I don't know. It's it's 400 pages. <laughs> it um, is huge. <laughs> I guess it's pretty big. But, uh, and, uh, but one thing I do want to say about this book, too, is I do find it very helpful for people who are not practitioners. I just got an email from a, a person down in San Francisco who's been reading this book along with his partner. And they, they're not practitioners, but they've been finding it very helpful to work through their emotional trauma. So I wrote it with the spirit that 
you know, that chapter four, the whole differentiating the different emotions, that's too in-depth for a non-practitioner. But the other chapters, I think, are accessible for people to, you know, patients to look at and understand more about themselves. And there's a lot of self-care techniques in there that people can utilize. So it is, you know, primarily marketed or used for practitioners. But I, I wrote it with the intention that uh, people from all walks of life could look at this and get some help. Wow, that's great. Yeah. I can't believe this time's gone by as quick as it has. This is this has been really fun. Any closing thoughts that you'd like to leave with our listeners before we say goodbye? Well, there's one idea that's been taught to me through Qigong practitioners, especially Master Wu, and also through my face reading teacher, Lillian. It's the idea of returning to the source. You know, we hear about this in Qigong practice, the idea of going back to the baby state, but with this wisdom that we're given uh, through our through our life experience. And that's something that I think emotional trauma helps people with. You know, emotional trauma can be looked at as a negative thing, but I think it can also be something that's positive. When someone's able to process and transform that trauma, it opens their energy. It brings them more into their full spirit, their full way of being, and allows them to really bring their gifts and talents to the human family. So I see the emotional traumas, if they can work through them, being a real gift for them to really get back to their original energy and live happy and, and strong and really offer their talents to the human family. Yeah. So it could break us or it could break us open. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, good way to put it. CT, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you so much, Michael. It's been wonderful. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community. Mm-hmm.